0: Two, two Swing Deep
1: left. all right welcome back to another episode of the baseball america fantasy podcast this is your host jeff ponce alongside me it's been a few weeks he's been on his world tour dylan white returns to the show dylan man how you doing how's it going
0: uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Shout out to uh, Chris Clegg pinch hitting for me while I was uh, detained um, with illness. Uh, did a great job. Great podcast. And uh, do, do I have to look over my shoulder or am I? Uh... You're good. <laughs> you did a great job. It was
1: wonderful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was he was great. and It was a, a huge help. But come on, Dylan. No one no one can replace Dylan. No one can replace him. Maybe, maybe Brian Slack, but that would be about it. <laughs> Very good. Hey, I, it was the first time I haven't called you the fantasy baseball world champion in at least a month and a half. So you need to pick up on that. I didn't even give you a long, uh, drawn out intro, but you know, World <laughs> Series is going on, and you know, you're not as important any longer. There's other rings being had. but we're going to talk some fypd today uh we got some questions we're happy to take some more questions it's still very early in the off season and we're still potting on fantasy baseball uh so you know we're always searching for things to talk about and i think a nice intersection between the world series and this podcast and fantasy and our topics is the texas rangers go up two to one last night was a little bit bittersweet Dollars Garcia, who has been a historic playoff performer this season. I don't think that's saying anything uh, too out and allege It's been one of the best playoff performances of all time. Um, goes down with an injury, out for the playoffs, rest of the World Series very likely. Very hard to replace that production. In all likelihood, it's going to be Ezekiel Duran who gets called up. And I understand there's a variety for reasons. Of reasons for that, I talked about it today in an article I wrote up uh, for the site on Wyatt Langford. But Dylan, if we can dream for a moment here, <laughs> I think, arguably, if you could pick any prospect in the minor leagues in any system to come up and replace one of your top performing hitters in the World Series in this hypothetical world, regardless of organization you might pick Wyatt Langford. And if he's not your first pick, I would argue he's probably top three of guys you think can come up and replace and get that production. And I'm talking about prospects who have not debuted in the major leagues already. You know, obviously you have a guy like Evan Carter who's showing out, um, et cetera, but Langford has such, such a unique combination of really advanced bats at ball skills, excellent approach and on base ability, um, big plus power that plays in games. Uh, and I know it's only a 44 game sample. We were talking about this off air before we got uh, onto the show, but still, I mean, this guy destroyed competition, made his way all the way up to AAA. I know it was only five games. And then I think made the playoffs hit like he hit everywhere that he played. Um, and I just think, he has the ability to come up and probably hit in the major leagues right away from day one. Um, So it's not going to happen, but how cool would it be if they actually did give Wyatt Langford a chance? You know, he's not on the taxi squad and I don't think he's been active, but uh, that goes to show just how kind of special Langford is in the context of this FYPD class, which is very good. Um, and I wouldn't have said this five, six months ago. I was team Dylan Cruz, but the more that I watched Lankford throughout the spring and then into the summer post drafts, um, this is the guy I would argue. This might be just from a fantasy perspective. You could argue this is the number one fantasy prospect.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. It's the combination of the, the contact and then the contact quality. Like he's up in the, like the Soto type where makes contact and then also crushes it when he does like Vlad. uh, Mike Trout used to be that way. He's he's kind of slipped on the contact uh, recently, but that's kind of what we're talking about. And he's got the speed. Like he he has a, you know, 15 to 20 stolen base speed, maybe even more. Um, So yeah, he definitely is a fantasy, a very tantalizing fantasy asset. Um, It would be, Fantastic if he if he played for the Rangers. I guess he I mean, I don't know if he's been working out in the offseason, if he's got his timing still. <clears throat> um <clears throat> so maybe there's that. But uh yeah, I mean it would just be such a great story too. He's coming in, a lot of pressure, of course, too, to come in and quote unquote replace dulis Garcia, who, like you said, is having a historic playoff performance. Um and just in the middle of everything, including like the brawl and everything, like he's just like he's like the story maybe of the playoffs um, for the Rangers on many sides of the ball. And now having uh, Langford possibly come into a place, would be a fantastic story.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's not unlikely. It's not going to happen, but, <laughs> no. uh, it's, uh, it's funny. Cause if he was with the taxi squad and they had thought like, Hey, this could happen. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I know in 2020, when the Rays were in the world series, they actually did have Wander Franco, um, with the taxi squad uh for that World Series. And it had been mentioned on a call this morning with our prospect team. We're talking about this Langford story I just put out. Um, that there was going to be a possibility if there was an injury that Franco would have been called and made his debut in the World Series. We've seen it before, Adoberto Mondesi actually debuted in the World Series. Uh, In that 2020 playoff, Shane McClenahan and Ryan Weathers both both debuted in the playoffs, uh, made their major league debut in the playoffs. And there was another one in 2006, but it was a defensive replacement with the Athletics. And I forget the name off the top of my head, and I don't feel like checking because I'm lazy. So that being said, we asked for some questions here um, regarding FYPD and anything you might have regarding the rankings, you know, I know that people are still probably months out from their drafts, but there could be some crazy leagues that are starting up sometime in the next month or two. I think the earliest I ever drafted FYPD was the first week in December. Um, but you could be going into your planning phase right now. And, uh, you know, if you're not a prospect maniac and you're, you're digging in, you're probably trying to figure out who are the guys that should be going after. Um one question that we got, the first one, was from uh, Frederick in Boston, but he's a Blue Jays fan. So this might actually be my youngest son sending <laughs> questions. I don't know if he is a fantasy team. I'll have to check with him. Um, he says, I have a question regarding how high to value Wyatt Langford. I am in a 20-team dynasty league that rosters 100-plus prospects. My question is, how would you feel about a trade of Kyle Tucker for Wyatt Langford and Shane Boz? plus a couple other smaller pieces. Is this enough value for Tucker? I think Langford and Boz can be special, but obviously Tucker is a top five player in Dynasty and still in his prime. I appreciate your thoughts. I added more context below, and he kind of gave us the rundown of what his roster looks like. Um, Dylan, I'm going to kick it over to you, man. We want to know what you think. People don't want to know what I think. (laughs) So (laughs) would you make this trade?
0: Uh, I, I I don't hate it at all I, I think I think logically I, you have to take Tucker the Tucker side but white Langford could be Tucker in two years and then since he's only 21 almost 22 now that means he's Tucker at age 24 and you have you know eight to ten years of 30 30 type production possibly 20 20 to 30 30 mm. um, But Tucker is in his prime now. I think he's 27, 26, and he's like a 30-30 guy already. So, I mean, it's always like the bird in hand is worth more than two in the bush, and that's what Tucker is doing right now. Um, It's just – it's right on that threshold, right on that bubble where, like, Langford's going to debut next year or in the World Series this year. And, you know, he's not going to be 30-30 right away, but you know, 2025, he's gonna probably be 25, 25. I think in a great lineup, and he's gonna be one of the most prized assets and most you know sought after assets in, in dynasty league. So it's like if we fast forward it to 2025, then yeah, do this deal any day of the week, basically. But you know, there's a, a year or, or two of Kyle Tucker dominating right now. Um, Shane Boss, of course, is is a you know, the, the dark horse in this, and he's, I love Shane Boz, you know, he's kind of a, a mid threes ERA guy. Of course he has injury risk, So there's that, if he didn't have injury risk, I think I probably would actually lean Langford and Boz. but the, the sort of the injury risk of Shane Boz, not really putting together a full full season yet and having arm troubles here and there <laughs> periodically um, is, is cause for concern. So I guess long story short, I rambled there. I think logically, if you did some sort of mathematical uh, comparison between the two, it would be the Tucker side is better just because of like the discount rate of the immediate production versus the future production. Um, but in like two years, you'd be looking back thinking, I could have had Langford and Boz for Tucker back then. Why didn't I do that? Um, so that there is a case for the Langford Boz side based on window but I think right now you could one one could get more for Tucker and uh, uh, having that asset instead of Langford and Boz right now and of course all that could change by June <laughs> I don't know if I answered the question yeah I think no I. I
1: think
0: it's very did. close it's very very it's close.
1: close I mean because the thing with it the, the, the dark horse is Boz that um he could more than make up the difference in stolen bases. Like I can see Lankford and Tucker not being far off, but maybe Lankford being like 10 to 12 spots, maybe lower in an overall dynasty startup draft because Tucker has that speed. You're trading some age, but not a ton. Um, You know, um so I think like it really does come down to how much you believe in Shane Boss. If you believe in Shane Boss and you think hey this guy can give me 100 innings next year and then 150 the year after and be one of the top like K to BB type of arms, you know, in terms of when he's in the lineup he's helping my ratios and boosting my K per 9 numbers. Um I can see the value there. Points league, I might actually almost definitely do this in a points league. I think Roto, I'm a little bit more hesitant just because of the difference that a Tucker can make versus a multiple players, even if they're good players. Um, and I think, like, if you're rebuilding, this isn't a bad trade to make. You know, if you're two years away from like a real competitive window, probably not a bad trade. So there's probably some league context too. But um, I think just your standard five by five, 20 team dynasty league. It's always tough to give up a guy like Tucker because you can still get seven or eight years of good Kyle Tucker. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility in terms of, you know, what could be out there. Um, even if the steals drop down a little bit, like he's still going a mash. So it's tough. That's a that's a tough one. But hopefully I yeah. gave you some context and some things to think about. But.
0: There, there's no wincing if you hear that that trade was made like, Ooh, how could that guy do that trade? There's yeah, none of that. No. It's like, Oh, I, I, that's, I, I like that. That's interesting. That's uh, fascinating. I'm curious how it turns out that type
2: of thing.
1: So, yeah, exactly. Um, the second question that we had, uh, we'll get into it. You know what? We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: All right, and we are back, Dylan. I had teased an interesting question before uh, we <laughs> went to break, and this one I think is going to be one of the most highly debated, divisive players in FYPD rankings. And I think it's really hard to know where to rank him versus where you would have ranked him had he not debuted in the major leagues. That, of course, is the Angels' Nolan Schanuel, first baseman we know the plate skills are good he showed it at the highest level there's bat to ball skills there's approach but there's a major question on the power and especially for a guy who's a first baseman you know that's a that's a major component of that profile typically if you're going to roster a corner infielder or a first baseman or even use one of those guys in utility you're typically looking for a guy that's more of a power booster that being said maybe some of his fantasy value is going a little underrated I think we're about 10 spots um, off from each other in this one. So I think you're 10 and I have him 20. I don't have it in front of me. I can double check. But um, he's a player that you like. And I don't dislike shanuel He's just not necessarily – I have a 19 and you have a 9. So 10-spot difference, but – there's just other guys that I'm more excited about, I guess, is what it comes down to uh, than Shanuel. But, you know, if I'm sitting there and he was there at 19, I would absolutely take him 100%. So I'm not off of him entirely. I just think, like, I probably would have had him 19 if he didn't debut. Like, that's just sort of how I view him as a player. So he's one of our bigger differences in the top 50 what are your thoughts on Chanual and where do you think the future pr- production lies and the value? Is there a style of league he's more valuable in that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, there's a lot there in uh, Chanuel. So I think, th- I don't think there's any chance he's going to be available at, at pick 19. I think he's going to be taken in the first round. Um, question right. obviously is where. and And the reason he will be taken is because he debuted and because they had him at the top of the order for most of the season, he had that crazy, uh, on base streak, etc. Like if he did not debut and I was just putting together my FYPD rank based on what I do, Robo scout and his contact rate and exit velocities, he would not be nine. Definitely would not be nine. The, I mean, we've, we've talked about many people have talked about how, you know, his exit velocities are just not strong at all. Um, But, you know, there's a place for someone, even at first base, if you have a good batting average, good on-base percentage, even if you are like Luis Arias, I I know that's, you know, he's an outlier, but someone with no real power, no real speed, but it's batting average and on-base, like that's still a very valuable player in Roto Fantasy. Um, I I checked, I did the auction calculator on Fangraphs just before the podcast um, using sort of the NFBC main event um, parameters. So 15 team, two catchers, five outfielders. Um, Luis Arias was worth $18, which is basically the same as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who was $18 and one cent more than Josh Naylor, more than Torkelson, more than Alec Baum. Um, So there's a case that, know everyone's talking about no power you know speedy can't afford to have that on your fantasy team but you know with the right roster construction you know just focus on like the hunter renfros or whatever in your outfield he is a very valuable contributor so i like nolan shanuel because the angels had him leading off they seem committed to that you're gonna get mike trout back taylor ward maybe shohei otani i don't know um (laughs) probably not um (laughs) It's a full season of it. Steamer hasn't projected for 14 home runs. I do think that's high, but he's only 22. So if you're going to get 10 to 12 home runs as a 22 year old, when you're 27, you're gonna you're gonna luck into 20 to 25 at some point in one of those years. Um, so it's not completely empty. He, I know he doesn't have the exit velocities now, but I do think they'll go up. So I think he's a guy that you know. Twelve home runs, two eighty. Maybe that's too high. Batting average, three forty on base. Like it's not the most captivating, but as a rookie and only twenty two years old, and you know another eight years of uh, of production, I think that's a pretty valuable fantasy asset, especially since he's going to be contributing right from opening day.
1: Yeah, I think the I think you might even be light in the OVP, To be honest with you, I think it'll be higher than that even. Um, I think he's a guy that could hit whatever 275, 280 um, with like a 385 OBP. Like he's going to push 400. It's cause yeah, he I walks. don't know why I said 340, 360. Yeah. 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 It's because he walks so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess like I just worry about, I, I go after a lot of skill hitters in mid rounds and like, I worry that a guy like this with the investment I'm am I'm not necessarily getting the trade upside that I think I can get with other guys in that range I'll yeah. say. Um and even like as a competing team just I don't need a first baseman right now so um when I'm looking at like who's more of a a, a tradable asset, you know, um I I you know, I it's it, it would be tough for me to take him over like in Arjun Namala or like a Bryce Eldridge um, or even like a Tommy Troy just because I feel like all those guys have pretty short paths to like top 60 relevancy in fantasy leagues like immediately, you know. And if you're dealing with like a rebuilding team, I just don't know if they necessarily go after shanuel I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm thinking out loud right here, but he's just not the style of player that I, I typically would chase, like in the top 10 to 12 picks. That said, in my 12-team head-to-head points league, keep eight, and then you have prospects that you can keep for, two years as free keepers, if they're promoted from your minor league system, I would probably take shanuel on like the top five or six there, just because it's a shorter window and I get them for free. And guys like, in that points format guys like Steven Kwan are like top 25 to 30 hitters. Sometimes, you know um, like Louie Arias is a valuable, he doesn't strike out guys like that. So I don't know. I, I think we in a deeper five by five dynasty, whether it's OBP or average, it wouldn't matter all that much. I think I'm probably less apt to roster him or just to chase him in general. But I do think in points, I definitely would be more in. And especially if it's a shallower where it's like, it's really more of a feeder system than a, than a hold and uh, you know, a draft and hold and wait sort of situation with your minor league system. Probably would more in on chanuel we have a little bit of a differing opinion here on this guy for sure
0: but i mean your point about like the the trade value like i mean that's a very good point for sure like if if he tried to trade chanuel um, there are probably you know a quarter of your league mates will laugh saying like i don't want him because you know the the discourse is that this guy is no good and played way over his head and so you'll have a hard time moving him but the flip side is that's maybe a guy you want to target in a trade because yeah. the person who has Januel is thinking like, I won't be able to unload this guy and I might be stuck with a guy with no ceiling at all. Um, so yeah, no, it's, and it's definitely true about the, the your league format, of course, that I, I usually play in dynasty leagues where it's like keep forever. So there's no like contracts or you have, you know, seven yeah. years, once they debut all that stuff, it's always like you have them forever. Um, but if there is a, you know, a window of production or you can't have an Arjun Amal in the minor for too long or whatever it is, like, of course, that's going to play a factor. So that's something I wasn't considering when I was talking earlier. Um will be producing in the majors immediately. He may not be producing that well. And so it's kind of the, the situation I often see in, with pitching prospects where they'll come up and their first year, they're not very good. And the second year they're like fine, but like you have to make a decision of you got to keep them on your roster because they're taking up a valuable spot with only like a seven bench or whatever. Um, Cause they tend to take a longer time to sort of manifest into the, the pitchers they're going to become. Um, so it's kind of, if, you, if you're having Shenuel with kind of middling fine production for a few years, and you can't afford to wait, you know, three, four, five, for him to become sort of an average first baseman, then maybe it's uh, like, that's definitely a factor that has to be considered.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, um, he's divisive. He's interesting. I, I don't think he's without value. And I don't think that he's a bad player. Um, And I think you're probably far more pragmatic in your approach on this than I am, Uh, you know, and removing, Preconceived biases. But I don't know. Or I'm just stupid and I like the, I'm like Patrick Starfish and I like the shiny, the shiny thing in Bryce Eldridge (laughs) and the exit velocity numbers, which is totally in the realm realm of possibility. Um, We got another question here and I think, I think it feeds into our last conversation, but I think there's some other players that we probably also have disagreements on and it was, who is the player that you two have the uh, the biggest dis- – that you guys completely disagree on is the phrasing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, we, I don't think we completely disagree on Chanual. Um, we have – I was looking at it before. We have a pretty big separation on Kendall George, and we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast. Our separation on Colin Hawk is fairly large, but hmm. – I don't remember you being that low on Colin Hawk. Um, we're lower on Thomas White versus each other. Uh, you're 38. I'm 56. Um, Charlie Soto, you're 41. I'm 66. Seeing a theme here with some of the prep pitching. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm 74 on Trevor Werner, and you are 39. Um. And I like Trevor Werner, so it's not like I dislike him, but um you truly believe that he's gonna be one of the better college hitters from this draft, though, at least based on the numbers and some of those things. Am I am I wrong to categorize it like that? Uh, you're not wrong. He uh,
0: I, I really like the underlying data and Robusk. really liked him too. I, I think like with Kendall George and Trevor Werner, it's like I like George too. It's just that like you really like George. And so like you like yeah. Werner and I really like Werner. So it's like, yeah. that's why the discrepancy happens that, you know, we're kind of planting our flags in a way on the guys we think are better than the sort of the
1: consensus rank. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Luke Kieschel another one. I saw a lot of Luke Kieschel. I think he can hit. I think the power started to come in. I think he's a really good ball player. Like does a lot of things well that help a team win. Um, And I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. I'm also really high on Mike Bovee. I think it's a great hit tool. I think there's more power to come. I think he's in the right organization to develop that profile. Um, The Brewers have, like, crushed it with hitters. um, But they get their guys there, and I think the players have improved. Um, And there's opportunities for Bovee as well. We had a pretty big disagreement on that one. A little bit higher on Travis Honeyman. A lot of these guys are, like, cape guys guys i've seen be really good <laughs> so i might be higher than like consensus on some of these players just based on my own anecdotal scouty bullcrap experience right um No, <laughs> yeah, well that's valuable right that a lot of yeah problems. i think other if, I think rankers it, don't have that i think with like fypd stuff it does make a difference because it's so hard to like measure data and performance and these small samples and pro ball and everything else. Um, two guys that you're higher on, I think are interesting are uh, Max Anderson and Jonathan Long, who both can hit. And like, we're, you know, I know Anderson in particular was a really good college player. Kind of the inverse of that is Ben Williamson for me, who I'm really high on. I believe him and Mary uh, shout out to Mason McCray. Um He was great in the Cape. It's a really good body. And uh, the feedback people, there's data there, and the scouts like him too. So, like, I think Ben Williamson could be a guy that we turn, look back on, like, in a year and, like, oh, this guy really, really broke out. Like, if that was, he went a lot earlier. Um, but if that's like Zach Dezenzo next year, like the older college guy that has a really good year, not putting draft, you know, and bonus numbers on it or anything, but just the older college guy who has a good year that maybe is a little bit un- unexpected, it might be Ben Williamson. And he's a better defender than. Desenzo is, you know, and he hits the ball hard. Like it's not that power plate skills might be a little bit better. He's a, little good, but he's a good athlete. So I think he's a real interesting one. Any other players that you want to shout out here, Dylan, um, before we wrap up, we're almost at a half hour. We try to keep these shows tight in the off season. It leaves us uh, some stuff to talk about. Uh, anyone else you wanted to shout out before we wrap up?
0: Uh, not really. Yeah. The Bill- Ben Williamson one was an interesting one because like I based my my rank on his his 2022 college data or 2023 college data only, so his 86 percent contact rate 105 90 uh, percent Alexxi velocity, which is very good. That combination is very good. Um, but he' hadn't, I didn't see any data and like professionally uh, Roboscope didn't see enough to, to yeah. make any conclusions, so I was a bit conservative on where I had him. I probably am a bit low. Um, to be honest, but uh yeah, no that's a good one uh, I, I I like the fact I love the discrepancies that we have because they weren't so egregious like I have someone 20 and you're like no no, no not not rankable at all. We're always kind of within you know 30-ish at the most generally and the reasons completely make sense are completely justifiable and it's we're just coming at it from different different vantage points and the, the aggregate blend is in an, is in a good spot. That's we're completely comfortable. Both of us are completely comfortable with. So I liked the process and I liked how it worked. So, I mean, maybe, maybe in a future one, we'll have like our individual ranks posted. So the, the subscribers can see how we differed. Um, maybe that's something we can do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, We'll do more on this. We're going to dive in more. We'll have more rankings coming. We're having, having some chats before we got on air about the content to come and how we're going to roll it out. Uh, So we're going to have fantasy content earlier this year. We're going to be able to spread it out a little bit more, get more in depth and uh, you know, hopefully uh, help you guys not just crush your drafts, but crush your off season. I think that's the biggest thing. It's just finding your target players, the people you want to go after the players that you want to acquire um, and figuring out how you can get them getting those pieces making some interesting deals uh finding some of those you know underrated assets however you're able to add you know i know there's a variety of functions in dynasty leagues depending upon your setup whether there's contracts whether there's a big draft or an auction or just strictly trading right there's always different ways to acquire players and uh, you know the best managers do a lot of their best work right now frank You know, the early trading season where people are a little bit scared, um, going out there and finding the deals early when, you know, there might be some managers who are looking to trade some pretty good players that can help you next year. So do your homework, get to work, and uh, we'll go from there. If you want to email any other fantasy questions to us, we're happy to take any of these at any point in time. Please Send that over to me at uh, Jeff.Ponce at Baseball America. That's G-E-O-F-F dot P-O-N-T-E-S at BaseballAmerica.com. Or you can obviously send them to me on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hide them from your league mates, you can send them. My DMs are open. It's fine to do it that way. You can send us questions uh, as well directly to uh, the link of this podcast that will be dropped uh, later today. So, Dylan, thank you for joining me. And uh, thank you, everyone out there for listening. We'll be back next week. Cheers.